You're listening to The Rhythm of Rebellion with Taina Asili. Martha Redbone is a Native and African-American vocalist, songwriter, composer, and educator. She's known for her unique gumbo of folk, blues, and gospel from her childhood in Harlan County, Kentucky, infused with the electric grit of pre-gentrified Brooklyn. Inheriting the powerful vocal range of her gospel-singing African-American father and the resilient spirit of her mother's Cherokee Choctaw culture, Martha broadens the boundaries of American roots music. I was curious about one of your early childhood memories in terms of music impacting or changing you in some way. Well, I have two that really resonated. I'll start with the most profound one because it has really subconsciously defined everything that I am today. So it's interesting. So um, I was raised by my grandparents in, in Kentucky until I went to middle school. And so moved back to Brooklyn just before I turned 12 years old. Well, when I first left Brooklyn, you know, my parents were together. When I came back to Brooklyn, I came back to a single parent household. And the only thing left of my dad was this big stereo console and a bunch of records, 45s and LPs and, and a piano. And I remember, you know, just putting on the different records and, and dancing and doing silly dances. And, you know, and at that time, like I said, my mom was battling depression and like, you know, pissed off, you know, because my dad went off with someone else, you know. So I found myself like trying to do things like be silly to like cheer her up and stuff, you know, so I'm like doing all the kind of like soul train dances and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I remember putting on the James Brown record, um, Say It Loud, I'm, I'm Black and I'm Proud. And so I remember dancing around to that, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, do, 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 right? And at the end of that, my mom said, is that all you're proud to be? She said, mm. don't, don't I count for something? Wow. You know, and I remember being like 11, you know, and I didn't know what that was. I thought she was laughing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. I've done something wrong. I know I did something to upset her, but I wasn't sure what it was. Mm. And so she goes, you're just, you're only proud to be black. She said, you should also be proud to be Indian. You know, she's old school. So she used the word Indian. She mm. goes, you should also be just as proud to be Indian as you are mm. black. You know, mm. and she said, do not erase us. Wow. I didn't really understand what she meant at that time. Mm. You know, don't participate in the genocide of your own people. That was the phrase, you know, wow. do not erase us. Mm. You should be just as proud to be Indian as you are black and I thought okay you know and I didn't realize at that time what an impact those words would have on the rest of my life I had no idea and you know as a black community and as descendants of indigenous people and because of the lay of this land we're forced to choose defined by whatever government regulations and legislations they put in, in place. There are some times where you'll be called uh, mulatto, you'll be called colored, 
you'll be called black, you'll be called whatever, you know, all of these different terms. And it's like, why do people keep trying to just divide us up, cut us up into these little pieces of takeout pizza, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you're, you know, walking down the street, how are you described by other people too? So I'm going deep because that's that song, you know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. That was James Brown taking ownership, you know, of who we are as black people and the black community and all of the things that the black community can build and develop on our own, you know, and that ownership and that leadership is important. It's important in every, every ethnic community. And so when I think about all of our roles in our own erasure, my mom raised me, my maternal grandparents raised me, you know, and I can understand my mother seeing, you're giving all the credit to him. And I'm here. I'm doing right. this work. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, working two jobs. I'm paying the rent. I'm paying the bill. And you're not even claiming me or any part of where I come from at all. Mm. All that to say is when I think about our own role in our own erasure, because it's what we've been taught. We've been taught that we don't matter. And we've been taught that we have the ability to erase ourselves. Yeah. So it looks like it's our choice. Right. To kill ourselves off. That we made it happen. And to me, that is the epitome of the evil of colonization that there is where you're at the point where you can convince the oppressed to kill off themselves. Right. Exactly. You know, so basically since then, I feel like I've been doing everything I can to make sure that my story is included in this American narrative. You know, people love to talk about the story of America and this being this melting pot and all of this kind of, you know, but the reality is as part of this melting pot is being allowed for each individual to add their spice into the stew. Mm. And we have not all been allowed to put our spice in. Exactly. So what is this other story? I think I might have been in like the third grade or something like that and seeing um, Chaka Khan, Rufus and Chaka mm. Khan on Soul Train. And I remember how free and happy and beautiful she was and her singing. And I remember seeing the band play, you know, and she had all the feathers in the fringe and, you know, and her hair was, you know, just like wild. And I remember that feeling of freedom, of freedom. You know, to right. me, she represented this woman being completely free, you know. And um, my mother, who was my kind of role model, was very conservative. You know, the hair was always, you know, straight and, you know, curled to, to perfection, you know, just like, you know. And she was very conservative with how she dressed. She didn't show a lot of skin, 
um, very conservative, you know, right. her views were not conservative, but how she carried herself was conservative. And then to see someone like Shaka Khan, who was this young woman who was just like wild and free, you know, seeing that I, I got to see this other side of what it means to be a woman, you know, and completely owning who you are. Whereas my mother, who came from more conservative, you know, humble means, was much more into doing the right thing and just trying not to be noticed, try to be like an upstanding citizen in the, you know, in the community, you know, like trying to do all the things that the stereotypes said that indigenous people or people of color were, you know, were lazy, were stupid, were this, were all these different things. So in her mindset, I guess, with the way that she came up was to show people that we are articulate, that we are well-read, that we are, you know what I mean? Like this kind of stuff. That was her thing. Try not to fit into the stereotypes that they've created for us. So she became more rigid on that. And then when you look at someone like Shaka Khan on Soul Train, you know, with her bikini top with the feathers and the, (laughs) you know, and she's just, "Ah," you know, and it's like (laughs) Shaka Khan is like, all that. This is me. Like me as I am. uh, Kiss my ass, you know. Thank you. And that was, to me, it just showed like the difference in the generations. And I felt very inspired by that. I felt very inspired by that. I thought, wow, you know, here's two beautiful women, my mom and then this young, you know, little uh, spitfire, you know, and these are all the, I could be the full spectrum. Listen to the full episode of this podcast at therhythmofrebellion.com. Thanks for listening.